Hey, what's going on, everybody? Like, thank you all for tuning into the show. As always, I got my crew with me, Darnell and Tyler. I'm Trey, and we are coming your way with the 81st edition of the Don't Kill the Messengers podcast. First thing we're about to get into today is some UFC. Uh, they have a pay-per-view uh, Saturday, uh, UFC 215. A little disappointing news to start this off. Uh, Darnell's guy, DJ, uh, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, uh, won't be fighting, uh, due to an injury or a virus, uh, with Ray Borg. Um, just thoughts on that before we get into some of these fights, man. I mean, disappointed, of course. Uh, I, I still say that DJ is the pound to pound king as far as MMA goes. Uh, I know people were immediately jumped back on Jones's bandwagon after, uh, he beat DC, but then, of course, he popped hot, so, uh, pretty sure people have swung back over the other way, but, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he, he's on a pace for history, so, of course, uh, this slows him down on that a little bit, or at least pushes his fight back, uh, of course, I always like watching him fight, even though he doesn't sell a lot of pay-per-views, but, yeah, so, hope, uh, Borg heals, Borg heals up and they can get this going. They so they can run this back. Now, as far as, uh, you know, this is one of the best, um, records you can get in the UFC. Uh, how do you think, uh, the UFC was marking in this fight, uh, heading up to it, man? It just got canceled, of course, but, uh, you know, to meet DJ, he was complaining about uh, his marketing so far. Uh, you think the UFC did a good job marketing this fight? No. Uh, simple fact being, I mean, they've, they've been promoted on Fox, who the UFC has a partnership with, but the commercials are still promoting uh, uh, Junior Dos Santos for the card. Yeah. That's so, crazy, man. <laughs> so that shows how much they really think about it, dude. <laughs> been suspended and is not on the card. They're still showing commercials with his name on it. Yeah. That's just crazy, man. Because like you said, uh, easily can be uh, said he's pound for pound. Uh, best fighter in the history of the UFC, man. And it just ain't getting the marketing like he should, dude. It's just crazy. Like, I, I just, I don't know what to say for it, man. I mean, they, they've made it clear with not really wanting to pay him and and like I said, just they're they're willing to throw another guy. Well, keep commercials going with a guy that's actually not on the card. I mean, kind of feel like it might be swindling some people that really aren't that don't keep up with what's going on with these fighters. Yeah, it's true. Is that yeah? Because like yeah, I was still like uh, just looking it up through the internet, and like there was just some uh, sites like still promoting the um, yeah. Uh, Junior Dos Santos fight, and I'm like, yeah, that's not on there anymore, man. So it's, you know, that's just crazy, man. Like, I don't know how that guy is just not getting the respect that's due, but, you know, it's can definitely create some more animosity between him and Dana, for sure. All right, anything else to add for him, man? No, like I said, hopefully they, uh, Ray Borg heals up and they can get this fight happening. You you know, we were talking about it uh, before, you know, with the whole, you know, Detroit's coming up, man. Uh, he could be coming to the D, uh, possibly. That, if, 
That would get me mighty interested. In <laughs> yeah, so uh, this could be a blessing in disguise for you, man. You can see your boy in a D. Uh, so that would that definitely be cool to uh, check him out in Detroit. So uh, just need to see how long they would postpone this fight. Because uh, those viruses, they can be a little nasty. It takes a while for them to uh, run their course. But, you know, it could, it could definitely possibly be on that Detroit card, man. So. Just have to see. Hopefully, I'm not bad luck like when I saw my other favorite the last time they were here. Yeah, so <laughs> just have to check it out. Now, just coming into this fight, uh, you know, since that's not going to be on there, uh, Shevchenko and Nunez are going to be the headliner for it. Uh, you know, hopefully, um, Nunez doesn't get that uh, sinus problem or whatever she had before, then this card will be really trash but um before we get into that uh we got neil magny versus uh dos uh what do you think about this card man this fight uh neil magny and rda uh interesting fight i mean it's two people trying to find their way back into uh winning ways uh of course rda former champ neil magny uh is the guy that he he gets runs going and he sputters, uh, but also a really good fighter in his own right. Uh, this one's interesting for me because Magny is he towers over him and has a lot of length. Okay. Uh, so I'm interested to see how he he goes with this because he he is a striker in his own right. So I wonder how well he does at uh, keeping RDA at bay and striking it out with him that way because I mean I was looking at some of the weigh-in photos and I mean he was towering over him because Magny's 6'3 yeah. and I feel those signos is 5'9 so yeah. I mean it's, that's a lot of length to be given yeah, so want to see how it goes and, and see how those signos is doing does at the heavier weight uh, you know is there, there are some struggles, and, and now we're seeing if he can adjust to fight that 170 here. Yeah, that's right, 170, yeah. Uh, now, this have, this would be my first time uh, looking into Magni, man. Uh, you brought up his uh, striking. Uh, is he pretty good with the KOs? or He's not really a knockout artist. Like, he, he can stand up and strike, uh, but I mean, he, he's an all-around fighter. Okay. Uh, uh, he 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 uses his his range like I said he, he's a taller fighter for the division being six three he he uses that length very well uh, can stay on the outside and then, and and pick people apart and then uh, but but he's also very good on the ground uh, as far as uh, his convictions go uh, and his in his nineteen wins he, he has six KOs and three submissions so. Pretty well rounded fighter, but, but yeah, he has more volume with how he gets his uh, KOs. Like, okay. It's, like, but it's not like a one shot knockout type fighter. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, who you got? I Me, mean, I'm going to side with RDA. Uh, just because I'm familiar with him. I know he's a beast. I know what he's capable of doing. Uh, but yeah, this would be uh, interesting to see what uh, Magni. Uh, can bring it to this fight. Um, so who you got? 
I'm I'm gonna go with Maggie. Uh, Eighty-one inch reach is gonna be a lot for our to deal with. Okay. And 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 I just don't feel like he's fought very smart lately. So. True. Yeah. Have to see, man. All right. Uh, anything else to add for these two? No, but it should be a good fight. Okay. And then up next uh, for the main event, we have Nunez versus Shevchenko. Uh, his thoughts on this fight? Well, uh, it's a rematch. Uh, they they fought a few years ago, or a year ago, basically. Yeah. Right now, I was like, yeah, but about a year ago, and uh, Shevchenko got the decision. So the, these two are familiar with each other, uh, but it's a different type of fight here. It's a five round fight now instead of the three round fight. So. Uh, some deep water will have to be uh, gone into here. Uh, oh, actually, no, Nunez won by Yeah, Nunez, yeah. Sorry. yeah. Uh, so they're familiar with each other. Uh, we'll, we'll see uh, if they can go the distance again. I, I believe it probably will because uh, Shevchenko, she's a tough fighter, uh, smart fighter. Uh, doesn't get in too bad a danger uh, as far as. What I've seen of her, uh, a lot of her fights go to decision, or or she pulls off a submission win for the most part. Uh, for 14 wins, she's got six submissions. Uh, though she she does have a couple uh, four KOs to her uh, under her belt as well. But uh, I'm more inclined to ride the wave of of the champ. Uh, yeah. They they fought some similar opponents as well as fighting each other, uh, but I, I don't know. I, I just feel like Nunez is you know riding a wave right now, but I know uh, Shevchenko is going to come in uh, with a chip on her shoulder because I mean, that's in her recent fight history. That's the one blemish right there. She she's won four out of her last five, but that that one loss is to Amanda Nunez. Yeah. And and I believe that's what catapulted Nunez to number one contendership. So, yep. See, I feel the same way, man. Uh, just the key thing for Shevchenko uh, would just be mostly if she can survive that first round because uh, Nunez, man, she's going to come out there doing her thing and swinging. Uh, she she's a girl that could definitely deliver punishment. Uh, she's going to come out there swinging in that uh, first round. So she could let the longer this fight lasts, I think, uh, Shevchenko would have, could have the advantage, especially a championship round, uh, yeah. fight. I was just going to say the same thing. If, if we, if it can get to a fourth round, then it'll get really interesting. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But man, I, I'm still, I'm going to go with the champ on this one, Nunez, but that's going to be the key thing for Shevchenko. She, uh, Especially if she can last that first round, I think she's going to be good. But if this fight gets to the championship rounds, uh, this will definitely, the momentum will definitely be on her side, I believe. So she wins those, uh, she pulled through with those fourth and fifth round. Uh, she could definitely have that belt. So. All right, man. Um, anything else for 215? Uh, just another fight that's on the undercard. If somebody wants a fun one to watch, uh, I would take a look at Jeremy Stevens and Gilbert Melendez. Oh, yeah. Uh, those are two that are going to be perfectly fine going in and, and throwing with each other. Uh, 
that's going to be a nice grab test there. Uh, you, there's not going to be a lot of wrestling. It's going to be a lot of hands and feet flying. Yeah, that's that's definitely going to be a good one. That's a good one you brought up there. Yeah, I completely overlooked that one. Yeah, that's definitely entertaining if you're just checking it out. Uh, that'll definitely be a good one to look into. All right, uh, still containing was uh pertaining to some UFC. Uh, let's talk about McGregor uh, for a quick minute. Uh, you know, he just got off this uh, big payday with Mayweather. Uh, who can you see him return to fight, man? I know uh, Ferguson and Lee, uh, they're fighting for the interim belt, I believe. But I was telling you uh, earlier this week, you know, Khabib called out uh, McGregor and there was rumors going around that it could be McGregor and DS3, uh, possible his return, uh, be a good payday for that one. Uh, just what are you thinking, man? Who do you think is the next guy in line for him? Well, I mean, I guess you gotta look at it two ways. Are you looking at deserve or are you looking at what's gonna put more butts in seats and get more people calling and ordering pay-per-views? Yeah. So if, if you're going deserve, it's, it's, uh, the winner of that interim title fight. Uh, or, or the Murder Madoff. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's anybody that would argue that as far as, like, if you're looking for next man up. Uh, so probably, I, I do think, uh, that Ferguson Lee fight, whoever wins, they're not gonna feel good about winning because that, that's gonna be a, a tough, hard fight. So, yeah. I don't know how quick that, that turnaround would be. So it would probably be, the murder made off off of just who's healthy enough to come after him out of the top contenders. Yeah. But if homie can make weight, wait. So it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that is definitely part of the equation. Yeah. Uh, but as far as the most box office fight would be the trilogy fighting with, with Nate Diaz. Uh, yeah. It's, it's not going to be quite to what, well, it's not going to be anywhere near what McGregor, uh, and Mayweather was, but. It's another dance partner, partner that's fine talking, talking smack back and forth with, uh, McGregor. And Nate has his core group of hardcore fans that are gonna, you know, follow him around wherever he goes. They would probably be able to do a promotional tour because those, the previous two fights made Diaz a little more famous in his own right, uh, for being basically a journeyman fighter in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but he, he matches up well with, with McGregor, uh, being, uh, a lanky, rangy boxer, slap boxer that can, that has a tough chin and is a wizard on the ground. So, yeah. uh, I, I think a lot of people want to see that rubber match just to see who can leave with the final bragging rights. Yeah. Me, I would love to see, uh, you know, like I said, my homie Khabib could make weight and fight, uh, McGregor. I, I would love to just see McGregor, uh, face that, uh, challenge, get tested, uh, with his cardio on the ring. Uh, I think that'd be a guy that would definitely make McGregor better, uh, just due to, uh, just like I said, Khabib will be bringing it to him the whole fight, man. So that'd be a fight where his conditioning will get tested. However, I do believe with Dana, Dana's all about that money right now, man. So I, I just, this with my heart right now, I think, uh, it would be Diaz and, uh, McGregor if that was to happen. But I would love to see, uh, McGregor getting on what could be, uh, for his first fight back. 
So, well, and I mean, I've, I fully believe uh, Connor has learned a lot from the, the school of Mayweather. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> he, he, he's definitely about making a nice, nice paycheck. Yeah. From, uh, from his fights, and that's the biggest paycheck he's going to be able to make, but I'm not sure if he, well, out of the three fights that are there for him, that's probably the one he, he would want to take because he'll make more money, and he, he at least knows he can match up. He's He's gotten a decision victory over him. I'm yeah. not sure if he wants the problems that Ferguson could be or, or Lee, yeah. honestly, will bring to him because these are all people that have a lot of firepower in their hands and they can all wrestle. Yeah. So out of those three, who do you think would be the toughest one for uh McGregor? I mean coin flip with Ferguson or uh Murder McDuff. Okay. I think I think they both have certain certain tools that will make them match up a little better. Uh Ferguson, Ferguson's taller, yeah. So, uh, kind of wouldn't tower over him like he does a lot of fighters. Yeah, true. Uh, but uh, could be used patience and just how he, if if he gets a hold of him and get him down, I, I think it's probably over with him. Yeah, I feel the same way, man. All right. Uh, anything else from McGregor? No, just hopefully he does actually come back and defend the belt once. Yeah. Um, okay, up next, we're about to talk about your man, Woodley. Uh, you know, there was, well, both of your guys, technically, uh, there was possibly, there was him talking about, uh, him going up to the middleweight, uh, to fight GSP, uh, since GSP is going to be fighting Bisping. Um, how would you feel about him moving up to middleweight, man? For one time, like big fight like that, I don't have an issue with that. Uh, I mean, it, it's just kind of the way things are going right now. Uh, a lot of these fighters, they know, quote, super fights is pretty much the only way they're going to make money. Yeah. Uh, no matter how good they are, uh, just because broken into the mainstream to the level where if you are just super talented, you can sell a lot of sell a lot of pay per views. It's just not that way. You either have to have a good uh, promotional uh, talent for yourself, or basically you're good at talking, or you're willing to say outlandish things to get people interested in you. Yeah. Or or you have to go up and fight legends and make. Uh, get people interested that way and seeing your name side by side with somebody else that's considered a great or legend in your sport. And, you know, if, if you fight GSP, you're going to have pretty much all the Canada behind that fight. And, yeah. and as far as the UFC goes, he's still one of the bigger names there uh, in, in America. So I think that that's, that's where money is. If you're a 170 or 185 pound fighter, I guess is. If, if you want a big payday, that's a unique fight. Yeah. Me, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I, honestly, I wouldn't even have a problem with, uh, Woodley, uh, 
fighting at middleweight and possibly staying at middleweight, man. Uh, so I was telling you earlier, uh, the guy, he beat some big names in, uh, that division. You know, he knocked out Lawler, uh, beat, uh, Thompson twice, and he just shut down Maya completely, um, in, a, in the octagon not that long ago. So, I mean, he has some talented guys under his belt. Um, so if he was to move up and fight GSP, that'd be a, Interesting fight, but just how he's built, man, and the guy's a freaking tank. Uh, he could definitely move up to that weight and cause, uh, cause havoc in, uh, that division as well, um, possibly. So I wouldn't have a problem with it at all. Um, I think it'd be a good fight to see those two in the octagon and, uh, just think it'll sell pretty well. And, uh, the guy could definitely handle business in that division, um, if he was to stay up there, I think. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Willie's, he's a big welterweight. So I mean, yeah. At that. I definitely think he could be successful uh, at that weight class, but I mean, I, I think he does still have some some challenges at 170. Like he hasn't cleaned up the division or anything yeah. yet, in my opinion. Uh, but I mean, these are all making money. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys. Uh, anything else to add for UFC uh, before we move on? I think we covered it. All right. Okay, up next, we're about to get into the NFL. Uh, first thing I'm about to talk about is Osweiler. Uh, going back to the Broncos, guys, uh, how were y'all, what were y'all thoughts on this? Uh, were y'all complete shock like I was, or what were y'all thinking? It was definitely bizarre. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. I mean, to think that, you know, the Broncos let him go. He gets paid big time by Houston. They release him. He goes to Cleveland where you think he can't get much lower than that. And then you get released by Cleveland. So it did get lower than that. (laughs) And you're you're wondering, is this guy even going to get a job? And then Denver kind of steps back up. It's like, we'll take him. I mean, they won't be paying him half of what they were before. So, you know, they're not going to eat up a huge chunk of this contract, which is nice. Uh, but it, it gives them someone they're familiar with. He's familiar with Denver. Um, he was actually better in Denver when he played than when he was in Houston. So it might be a, just a better fit for him. Uh, granted, I like the pieces more in Denver than he had in, uh, than he had in Houston. But, I mean, he wasn't even making throws. So, it'll be interesting to see how he kind of bounces back, see if he gets a start or not. Uh, with Paxton Lynch being out, if Trevor Simeon doesn't step up, looks like Osweiler would be the guy. Uh, so, yeah, I think it'll just be interesting to see what's next with Osweiler. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't say I was, like, shocked by it or anything like that. I mean, I guess it, it proved that Denver was right about him. Yeah. Uh, and they were just, just how things worked out after his, his last year previously there. Denver was not going to pay him a ton of money to come back. Uh, I feel like they did like him. Uh, but they knew he wasn't worth what Houston ended up giving him. And, you know, and Houston figured out he wasn't worth what they paid him. Hence them, you know, releasing him and trying to get replacements. And then, like I said, going to the Browns and 
not being able to stick there. And, you know, Denver gets back a guy that's used to this, knows their system, and that they don't totally hate, but they get him at a price that they feel is what he's worth. So, it all worked out for, for, for Denver. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess Osweiler still gets paid some, something. Yeah, he's getting money from somewhere. <laughs> yeah. How long you think he can, uh, you guys have a lot of faith at him, uh, in him for the, in the Broncos or like, how do you, how do you think he's going to do? Well, he only signed a one year deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that lets you know, like, how, how much faith they're showing in him. They didn't, like, say. <laughs> well, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily know if it's the faith they're showing in him. I think Lynch is their guy. Yeah. And they're holding on for Paxton Lynch. But but at that point, who do you want to pay to be your backup, Simeon or Osweiler? Both have very similar NFL experience. Yeah. Simeon will take half of what Osweiler's going to get. Yeah. Sure. All right, guys. Uh, up next, we're about to go right into uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, you guys told me um, right before we started that uh, I was looking. Um, he won't have to serve the suspension. Uh, just what are your thoughts on this? Um, Dude, me, me yeah. personally, I thought the suspension was, I'll be honest, I thought it was some bullshit. Uh, to, for, to be fair, real quick, the suspension's still there. Oh, it is? It's just delayed. Delayed? Yeah. Okay. They, they got a restraining order against the NFL, so they can't, they can't suspend him while this lawsuit is going on. Okay. But, uh, to what, uh, like I said, what I think, uh, my thoughts on, I think it was a BS. Just reading from the evidence of it, cause like from what I was reading about it, uh, through the text messages, uh, I don't know if they're still dating or what, but it's, uh, I say ex-girlfriend or whatever, uh, it looks like she was just setting them up, uh, getting friends to lie for on them or whatever. So, just looking at that, I don't think it was worth six games. However, uh, just looking through an incident, um, from like what he did on St. Patrick's Day with exposing the lady's breasts. If the NFL wanted to spend him a game or two for that, I could understand. But just like what was going on with this whole uh, domestic dispute, uh, just with the evidence that I saw on it, um, I don't think it was, it should have been six games worth or anything like that. Um, but what are you guys' thoughts on this suspension? I mean, I pretty much echo a lot of what you just said. Uh, I mean, if if you look at everything and like you you get on one side that the NFL they they want to they don't want another Ray Rice situation yeah uh, to fall over them, but they screwed up in the other direction. I mean, I I feel like this is an area where just the NFL can't get itself right. Cause, you know. Back before Ray Rice, they were lenient on these things, but because you know he only got suspended two games at first, but then everybody yeah. saw that saw that video, yeah, and we saw what actually happened. So then they had to come back and suspend him indefinitely, and and go from there. And then they tried to make this hard line where if it's a domestic dispute issue, you're getting six games, period. But then it's uncovered about the whole Josh Brown. Uh, the kicker for the, from the Giants last year, they he he had multiple incidents incidents of 
domestic violence against white one half and then now like the Pro Bowl or something like that where they had to put them in separate hotels and, and go that far and he got one game. Yeah. And then funny enough, today while we're waiting for this uh proceeding to come down, they they retroactively come back and give him six games. Mm. Yeah. Even though he's he's not on a team right now. But the suspension starts this week. So he's suspended even though he doesn't even collecting a paycheck right now. Yeah. But after week after week six, if he wants to sign with a team, he can come and, and play right then and there. It's like how stupid does all of this sound? Yeah. Like you got a guy here where your lead investigator came back and said, I would not suspend this guy. There's this too many holes in this in in this girl's story. No games. Yeah. And and this is and I mean just just to be clear, I'm not saying that no domestic issue happened between him. He he could have he could have hit her, he could not have hit her. I don't know. Yeah. But when you're looking at something like this, you have to look at facts. Yeah. And if you had and if they appointed this this lady that is their lead investigator for this who was a career prosecutor and She's dealt with these kind of cases, and she's supposed to be the the lead dog who you refer to on these things. She comes back and says, "No, I would not give him any games off." But the NFL wants to set a standard here and, and play hardball. Nope, you're getting six games, and then the appeal happens. You don't allow the the accuser to be cross cross uh, cross uh, examined. Uh, as far as being questioned about the situation, and they don't make a lot of stuff available uh, for Elliot's uh, lawyers. So I just think the NFL has backed themselves into a corner where right now is they're damned if they do, damned if they don't, because they've they've clouded this issue worse than anything. And it's, it's it's making all parties look bad. It makes the NFL look bad because they don't know how to handle this kind of stuff, which makes sense. They're not the police. Yeah. The police yeah. wouldn't the police wouldn't file charges on this stuff. So they they stepped up and and uh, gave the six games based on the guys of domestic violence. When honestly, I mean, just to I'll end it on this: the NFL could have avoided all of this just by saying. Hey Zeke, we got video of you pulling the girl's top down. We have the story about a possible bar fight. Yeah. There's just too much stuff going on. You're going to get three games for that and just say, we don't have enough on the domestic violence deal yeah. based on the police reports and based on our investigator. And I'm pretty sure everybody would have been fine with that. Yeah. I, I, I agree with everything you both have just said, so I'm not going to dig deeper into that. Than based on just repeating you guys. But let me give another name that you left out, Darnell. How about Joe Mixon? Dude, yeah. Dex's a woman. It's on camera. She's out cold. And what? What's it? What's his penalty? What is he playing week one? Yeah. Yep. Is he playing week two? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for for me, it's. Like I said, everything you guys said, I'm in complete agreement. But where is just the consistency here? There is zero consistency. And that is where I think my frustration lies a little more. Like, if 
if Z's getting six games and there's no rock solid evidence, there's no videotape yet Joe Mixon's playing week one, that come on, where why are there not red flags? Yeah. At least within well, the NFL. Because outside of the NFL that everybody's screaming, Well, why is Joe Mixon playing? Well the Mixon one, I guess they they can't hide behind the fact that that happened when he was in college and was a it was like his freshman or sophomore year when it happened. Yeah. And he he was sat down for a time by Oklahoma. Uh, yeah. Yes. Happened. Yeah, I guess. You know, the, so they can they yeah. can say he was punished for that and and you could also say he was punished because he yeah, was probably the first he was he was a first round talent that dropped to the third round. Or was it second? Second or third second round. round. Yeah. Yes. Second round. Uh so he he got hit probably by a couple million off the, his his deal for that. I'm not saying that that makes it all right. I'm not condoning anything he did. Uh but I, I guess it, time limitation there. It would, it would bring up a whole other issue if the NFL tried to suspend him on top of what his university already suspended him for that. Yeah, okay, that, that's fair. I'll give you that. But so that, that's so. I mean, I, I agree. Uh, this is a big issue. Like, I mean, like another one you could look at uh, who who was a darling last year uh, in Tariq Hill. Oh yeah, he he had a big issue like that uh, the year before in college. But uh, I'm not sure what happened as far as college goes. But you know, he he was a late round draft pick and kind of blew up, and everybody loved him, even though he had, if you did a little googling on him, he had a pretty graphic uh, domestic issue in his past. So I mean, th- this is an issue that the NFL has, but they they can't figure out how to deal with it. Uh, I believe the best way for them to deal with it is is fine. And if if you want to have a a straight line policy on these, where you make a, a decision on a suspension, but I think they need to separate themselves from the appeal process mm-hmm. because if any any person that's logical and is trying to look at this without just saying without trying to blame the victim or trying to say that. Ezekiel Elliott did nothing wrong. You're just putting it on facts. Nobody is going to say this is this is six game six game suspension here. Any independent arbitrator would have said no. I mean, if if you want to lower it to two or three because of suspicion because you think something happened, but definitely everything this girl said did not happen. So, but that's that's the problem that the NFL's gotten themselves into their judge, jury, executioner, and appeal uh jury, judge, and executioner too. Yeah. This is a question for you, Darnell. Uh, you know, you kinda just approached it um just, you know, just from the individual perspective, uh, just how you feel. But we all know you're a Cowboys fan, man. Um just how do you think that's gonna be, you know, affecting the Cowboys and the squad? Uh going further because uh, they play in a pretty tough division man you think like if with the suspension and stuff it wasn't happening like how do you you know you think they can end up messing up their uh, chances for the division or what I mean as of right now since it looks like he might play the whole year no okay. uh, I, I, I mean 
we've all played sports. Uh, I mean, we haven't had anything to this level yeah. uh, on your back dealing with something. But, I mean, athletes know how to compartmentalize what's going on in in the real world for themselves versus what happens when they're on the field. Usually for all of these guys, being on the field is a release. So uh, if, if Zeke is on the field, I think you, you get – you get that potent offense that they had last year that, you know, ball control and opening up a passing game. If, if something comes out where things happen where he actually has to mix, miss six games during the middle of the year, then that, that's some stuff they'll have to deal with there. So, I mean, yeah, they have McFadden and they have Alfred Morris, but neither of those two is, is deep uh, from a talent perspective. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think the fact that, you know, he was a 1,000 year rusher, he, you know, was basically a stud from day one, that definitely helps the team compartmentalize it. You know, it, it would be one thing if he was, you know, average or a second stringer and causing this kind of a commotion around the team. You know, the fact that it's Zeke, the team will rally around that. Uh, they want him on the field. They know they're at their best when he's you know, running the rock. So uh, I think that definitely helps the team kind of put it in perspective and be like, yeah, dude's going through a hard time, but we need him. So we're going to be there for him when he needs us. So yeah. I-, I think that's going to kind of be their mentality if, you know, say a suspension comes down the season, which it is still possible, like, but it's looking like he's going to play all season. Um, at least that's what all the reports are saying at, at this moment. So, uh, yeah, I just think that that's what the attitude's going to be around that Dallas locker room. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, any other thoughts on Zeke? I just hope it all gets sorted out and we just know what's going on, really. Yeah. Instead of there just kind of being a gray cloud. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, to close this out, uh, just opening week. Uh, what do you guys think about uh, thoughts on week one? Uh, was a game on last night. Uh, pretty big upset. Um, a lot of people's thought uh, minds, but uh, just what are your thoughts on week one? I mean, started with a bang last night. Like like you said, uh, we got a shocker with you know with Kansas City blowing the doors off of New England. As far as, like it was kind of a reverse Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> As the game started, it looked like this was going to be a game that New England was going to run away with. You know, they had they got the quick fumble from uh, Hunt scored there. Uh, they would have had the passing touchdown to Gronk, but that got overturned. Uh, but I think Gillisley even had another touchdown there. Uh, they went into the half where where it wasn't it wasn't a, there was a big gap yet, but you had that feeling like, oh, yeah, probably the Patriots have this one pretty safe at hand. But then end of the third to the fourth quarter, it was like, what happened? Where, you know, all of a sudden Alex Smith turned into Tom Brady and Tom Brady turned into a 40-year-old man. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Brady missed a few he should have made. Oh, yeah. Big time. Well, yeah, he, I mean, he, he didn't complete 50% of his passes, which, yeah, it was a very unbrady like game. But, I mean, it was, it was fun to watch. I mean, seeing what looks like maybe a new star in the league in, uh, Kareem Hunt. 
snaps and not going from fumbling on your first carry to the most scrimmage yards ever by somebody in their first game. Yeah, he, um, he was he was definitely zero to hero. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so that was cool to see and, you know, just pumped up for some of the matchups we have coming Sunday. Uh, like me and starting off a rivalry game. You got Cowboys, Giants, looking forward to that. Uh, local team here, we got them going against the Cardinals, who weren't very good last year, but uh, I think both of those teams are questioned to see what we get there. Uh, some good games on the schedule, and happy to have real football being played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, completely agree. Good first Thursday night game, kind of kept everybody on their toes. Uh, I mean, the game made it to the fourth quarter, but uh, Kansas City started to run away. Uh, and, and just a quick note there on Tom Brady not having a great game. I think we also need to realize that Kansas City's a top five defense. Like they're, they're, it, it, it's not like you went out against Jacksonville and laid an egg. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to give some credit there to, to Kansas City. Good defense, good coaching over there. Uh, but, uh, for sure. But real yeah. quick, guys, uh, any worries just to be Father Tom catching up to Brady or you just think this? Yeah, small sample size. All right. Yeah. One, one week. If, if this happens like, Week two and week three, he still can't connect on 50% of his passes, and he's floating some balls like he, he was last night. Uh, then, I, I mean, that may be the case. I mean, they're, he is four years old, so it's just well, people got to remember that. And, and I do believe the Patriots know that he's that old as well, which is why they didn't move on Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the, I mean, they, they traded Jacoby Brissett, uh, a couple days ago, actually, uh, brought in, uh, wide receiver. So, uh, they've definitely held on to the poker chip that is Jimmy Garoppolo, and they're holding on to him knowing that Brady could be done in any minute. Uh, so, I don't know the Father Time's catching up yet, but, one week, good defense, uh, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. Well, remember a couple of years ago, they got blown out of the water in Kansas City week one, and then and Tom then Brady won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'll say, and then Brady <laughs> went out with the Super Bowl. So um, I, I won't. I won't look too much, too much into that for sure. Yeah, but I, I mean, guess like it, okay. he he struggled some in the game. I mean, there's oh, there's yeah. no denying it. I mean, there there was still some. There's still some Brady, like, that we know to be Tom Brady, like, throws in there. I mean, he, mm. he had that one to uh, Cooks. Where oh. It was, he threw it 60 yards. Down the near sideline. Yeah, so, I mean, I, like, that one I was like, wow, that's a throw right there. So, I mean, I can't just totally say he, he fell off a cliff or something like that. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that anyway after one game, but I mean, there, there was still – a couple spots in there, and, and we do have to remember. I hate to be a Patriots apologist, but I mean, he did just lose Julian Edelman. Uh, Amendola got a concussed shocker in that game, uh, and you know, and he he's probably still trying to get some timing with his cooks, and and Gronk was actually kind of he was getting shut down by Eric Berry up until the injury. Like he 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 was smothered, so. 
Uh, so, any I mean, news? Did they crazy. release any news on Bear? Is he? Is it? He's not for here. He's not for. Okay, yeah, yeah. That sucks. Yeah, I, I guess I'll just pick back up then. You know, just in terms of week one, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what a lot of teams bring to the table early. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch some of the rookies for sure. Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey. We saw Kareem Hunt the other night. Once Spencer Ware went down, it seemed like Kareem Hunt was all anybody was talking about. Um, especially in the fantasy football world. But, um, yeah, I think McCaffrey and Fournette are going to be two people we're really going to be eyeing. Um, you know, is OBJ going to play? So th- there's still some storylines to be looking at, uh, even though it's just week one of the NFL season. So, uh, also Adrian Peterson playing Minnesota. That'll, that'll be an odd one for a lot of people to see when Drew Brees hands it off to Adrian Peterson. So. Yeah, is, uh, so yeah, AP is going to be starting. As far as I know, he's their number one. Okay. Right. They're calling him and Ingram co-number one back. Yeah. Co-no, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, so play. I mean, for that for that game, I would I would expect the first carry to go to AP. Yeah, same mm-hmm. as the Vikings. Yeah, makes sense. All right, guys. Um, anything uh, left to add for the NFL? Nope. All right. Uh, now we're about to move to some NCAA football. Uh, guys, just your thoughts on Week One? Uh, we had some pretty good games um, last week for college football. Uh, just what were your thoughts on some of the games? Uh, I mean, it was nuts. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, college football chaos starting out week one. Yeah. Yeah, the Maryland Texas game where. Nobody expected to see that coming in there where Maryland just beats up on Texas and, you know, people might already be calling for Tom Herman to go. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, Western USC, that game was a, a shock up until pretty much the fourth quarter. And uh, the game that we were all kind of penciling in to look forward to, you know, this might be the national championship uh, round one, and uh, FSU got you know they they got cooked slowly. They 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 were they were pulled pork on a slow cooker. They, <laughs> yeah, they they were never really in it, and you know it, it wasn't just like Alabama steamrolled them, but it's just like you were watching that game just rolling. Yeah, it's just like oh yeah, they're just beating them up. Beating them up, beating them up, and by the fourth quarter, they were they were just shredding that that pork to get ready for some sandwiches, and it, it was all over. Yeah, you know, another game you didn't mention, but Purdue gave Louisville a big run, came down to basically the final seconds. Yeah. Uh, Howard, you know, pulled off what was the biggest point spread upset in the history of NCAA football. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> UCLA pulled a miracle in the fourth quarter to beat Texas A&M. Like, like you said, the, the hysteria started week one. It was, it was awesome. Like, in some ways, we couldn't have asked for anything better. For the UCLA one, can I just point out that I love that they pulled a fake spike with the clock already <laughs> yeah. stopped? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Texas A&M practically fell for it. Yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. 
All right, guys. Uh, anything else to add for week one? Looking forward to week two. Yeah, yeah I'll say I'm already ready for week <laughs> two tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just from the looks, I believe we all have Florida State uh, for our playoff spots. Uh, for one of our that spots might, in the playoffs. That uh, might be <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with uh, with Francois out, is this an instant L for us and uh, for one of our picks? Uh, I, I'm not going to call it an L because even the real analysts get to switch theirs. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're changing theirs by the minute. Yeah. You know, so I'm not calling it an L. I'm just calling it a something happened and we need to switch. <laughs> I mean, that's a good granted, point, man. Granted, their their season's not over. Like, yeah. They can still bounce back from this, but I mean, they're probably not the favorite in the ACC anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that made uh Clemson and, and Miami look a lot better, uh French while going out, but but we do have to just remember that Florida State's defense was Oh yeah. I mean, honestly it was offensive mishaps and Alabama's defense just being ungodly, which mainly won that game. Yeah. They they kept uh they kept hurt. Him check pretty much outside of that one long bomb to Ridley. Yeah. Uh, he was throwing a lot of swing passes and, and tucking the ball and running. Uh, and it, the, the backs gave FSU trouble, but how many, how many other O lines with three number one five star running backs are they going to face? I, I don't think there's another team that can. Throw that at him. No. Yeah. Uh, so, so I mean, I wouldn't say that it's totally done, but that that chance went from like a forty percent chance they make it to the final four to me to probably like a fifteen percent chance. Now, I, I do think they have enough talent uh, to to beat a Clemson or to beat a a Miami, but it, it depends on how this uh, freshman quarterback. Uh, is and how how much of a game manager he can be? Yeah. Uh, because you know, Florida, Florida, Florida State has their their fair share of athletes back there, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that they're just done yet. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, since last week uh, was week one, um, got a chance to see y'all squads play. Um, just what were your thoughts on them uh, last week? Uh, we are pretty impressed with their play or what? This was a bigger game. Uh, you started. Uh, all right. Uh, I was impressed and I was not impressed. Uh, impressed with the defense, not impressed with the offense. Uh, I guess, namely, Wilton Spate at quarterback, uh, threw two pick sixes and that was basically Florida's story. Um, he was just overthrowing the guys. I don't know if it was adrenaline or granted the the first at pick six he threw hit the receiver right in the hands should have been caught, popped up, Florida intercepted and took to the house. The second one, uh, the edge rush, uh, beat the left tackle. Uh, you could argue that you know him just flashing around the edge of the line uh, kind of made Spate. I guess have a 
distorted release. It wasn't a normal step into it, nice throw, which caused him to overthrow the receiver. But at the end of the day, he, he missed a wide open receiver and the picture was straight into the arms of Florida. So that was kind of the low point, uh, for Michigan, but, uh, did a lot of things well. Offensively, they ran the ball really well. They got a lot of first downs off of some runs and I'm talking like third and eight, third and 12. They were converting off of running the football, which was very odd, which like that, that shouldn't happen at all, but they found a way to do it and, um, converted a lot of third downs, which was nice to see. And it was nice to see them doing that, running the football, especially against a physical defense like Florida's. Um, but in terms of the defense, uh, they were totally there, uh, ready to go from the first minute. Uh, Devin Bush almost got ejected for a target on the first play of the game and turned out to be a good thing. He wasn't ejected because he was all over that field. Uh, he, he had a real solid game, but you know, the defense only allowed three points all game. Do you want to credit that to good defense or a terrible Florida offense? Uh, I'm cool saying I'll credit both. Uh, you know, Florida helped Michigan in a lot of ways on offense. You know, they couldn't, I don't know if their quarterbacks couldn't recognize coverage or if they were, that offensive line wasn't blocking well enough for them. Just Michigan seemed to just have their way on defense. I think Florida averaged something like less than a yard per run, um, which that's awful. I'm sorry. No, no SEC team should be averaging less than a yard a rush. Um, you know, so Michigan's defense looked good. Offense looked mediocre. I expect them to clean it up a little bit this week against Cincinnati, a lesser opponent. Um, you know, is it necessarily going to just be like a walkover breeze game? Who knows? We'll see. Uh, I, I feel like you should never count a team out. Um, so. You know, good week one win, SEC opponent, that looks good on your schedule, uh, looks good for your strength of schedule, looks good for your strength of, strength of record, your RPI, all that, which is what the playoff committee looks for. So, um, good week one. Uh, like I said, we have Cincinnati week two. Uh, we'll see if the offense and namely Wilt Spate can clean it up a little bit. Uh, yeah, other than that, I was uh, very happy with week one. Yeah, just to piggyback some on that game, uh, as, as the, the other sider on it. Uh, <laughs> I was, I had a lot of questions going into this game and I feel like not a lot of them got answered. Um, so like I was, I watched the game with, with a buddy that's a big Michigan fan and, and so going into it, I was like, man, like, I just, I just feel a little bit weird with how tight-lipped Harbaugh, like not the whole depth yeah. chart, but that he wouldn't name a starting quarterback. I was like, all that means to me is that there's there's either just not a lot of distance between the quarterbacks, and he's or, or he just doesn't have a lot of faith in Will Spate. And I feel like that kind of was the case because because I even said I was like, I wouldn't be shocked if all of a sudden like O'Corn is the starter. Yeah. Which he didn't start. He came in for a couple series and looked yeah, worse, worse than uh, Spade did at first, which is shocking. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, going back to that, like I, I agree that the first interception I don't think was his fault. He, he did hit the receiver in the hands, and that should have been pulled down. But that second one, like I was looking like it looked like the corner ran the route for him, 
Yeah. Like, it looked like it was a comeback to the corner. Yeah, he was standing there with arms wide open. Yeah. So, like, that one was just, like, I don't know what he was saying or, like, yeah, he, he didn't know who his hot read was there or what. But, yeah, they they definitely look good running the ball. Uh, I think you guys have, have a nice little stable there because uh, I, I, think, I think that should have been the one part for Florida that should have still been legit, should have been their run defense. Yeah. But it went, but you guys still ran over them. So mm-hmm. I, I was impressed there. Uh, as far as the defense, they looked better, especially linebacker play. Uh, they could move laterally, which they haven't been able to do in like two years. Yeah. So, so I thought that was a good sign. But, uh, as, as far as the defense as a whole, I can't give a ton of credit because Franks was awful. And oh, yeah. was worse. God awful. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so I, I just, I just don't know how much credit to give. The defense looked good. But yeah. I just don't know and, how much of that was the, the dance partner they had and yeah. how much was just them taking over. So, yeah. And I'm, I'm going to see a couple of games down the line when they play somebody that's actually talented. Uh, yeah. Skill positions. Yeah, and, and I'm definitely there with you because everyone I've talked to, I, I've told them, I said, I thought the defense looked good, but it's not like the Florida offense is something that people are really scared about. Yeah. So, you know, my thing is I'm giving the defense credit for only giving up three points in a week one game. Like That's that, that's a good feat for any defense. I don't care who you are or who you're playing. If you only give up three offensive points, that's a good outing. But once again, they got a lot of help. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, anything else to add? Yeah, Darnell's got to. Oh yeah, Darnell. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, I'll, I'll keep mine pretty quick here. Uh, they they answered my questions for week one. Uh, just coming off of a three win season, I, I wanted them to come out and. I mean, I I don't like to go by spreads, but I was like, if they can't cover the spread. Another rough year coming. Uh, they were able to come out and do that. Uh, there's still some questions. Uh, run blocking was not very good. Uh, I, I also didn't feel good that it was supposed to be our most talented running back with the worst out of the three-headed monster that we we're supposed to have. Uh, LJ Scott seemed to struggle. Uh, I don't know if there's still issues with... Uh, the off-season shoulder surgery that he had, which was supposed to fix numbness or whatever that he was getting, but he put the ball on the ground twice. Uh, Madre London looked good. Uh, I thought he probably actually looked the best out of the three backs, which was surprising. Uh, Lewerke, uh, you could definitely see it was his first real game, live game back uh, from breaking his leg. He, he was a little gun-shy early. Uh, but as as he settled in in the second half, he looked a lot better. Uh, I like the flashes that we got from receivers. Uh, Tristan Jackson and Felton Davis, both big targets. Uh, I think that will be very helpful later in the year. Uh, as far as defense goes, we still look like we're going to have trouble getting the quarterbacks, but uh, that young secondary, I think, looks talented. Uh, not saying that it's no fly zone of old or anything like that, but <laughs> But they're serviceable, and I, I don't think they're going to be getting burned left and right like uh, last year and, and year before. Yeah, I'll just I'll just touch real fast and like a 
said last week, my big concern for Michigan State was just get a win under your belt. Like, it doesn't have to be pretty. Just get a win week one, build some confidence there. Uh, especially after after last year when they were losing early. I, I feel like that really defeats you uh, as, a, as a program. You know, you get a close game to Furman week one last year, and then you come out hot against Notre Dame, but then they just bit the dust. Um, so, you know, I, I just feel like, especially with a younger-type roster, you know, like you said, the work he's first game back, get a win. They did. They won handily. They won well. They controlled the whole game. Uh, and, and I just think that that's a good first step for any, any team, no matter who you're playing against. Just, just win a game you're supposed to win, win it how you're supposed to win it, and the rest will work itself out. Hopefully. Yeah, that's, that's the process. Looking at each week is just a, a step in the right direction. Like, I just want to see improvement every week and win the games their favorite to win. All right, uh, up next we got, uh, three big games, uh, this week, uh, about to cover a little bit. Uh, the first one I'm about to get into is Clemson versus Auburn. Uh, what do you guys thoughts on this game? I, I didn't see Auburn play last week. I'll, I'll admit that, but, uh, what I saw to Clemson, uh, was, I think kind of what we expected. Uh, run game was strong. Uh, quarterback took, you know, a little bit of time to get comfortable throwing the ball. But defense looked phenomenal. Uh, you know, I, and, and that's what we expected. We expected their, their edge rush to be really good. Uh, you know, safeties, corners, solid, linebackers, super solid. And there, we, we said last week, the strength's going to be the defense. They're going to ride on that. And I think that's going to need to be the case again, especially against a good SEC opponent. Uh, you know, you're looking at a top 15 Auburn. Uh, I believe it's what 13 right now. So, uh, yeah, you know, I think, I just think Clemson's defense is going to need to come up big here. Uh, Dabo Sweeney is going to need to be sharp, uh, making some calls. Uh, coordinators will have to be there, but, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily know who I'm picking just yet, <laughs> but, uh, I, I definitely think this would be, another solid resume builder for Clemson. And if Auburn can pull off the upset, that can give them some big momentum before SEC play starts. This would just be huge yeah, for I think Clemson, too. Uh, just with uh, the ACC, uh, Florida State with their injury, uh, whatnot. So if they can pull off a big win like this one, uh, they could definitely let teams know that, hey, you know, we're still the king of the ACC. Don't get too hyped in the uh, Florida State. So, um this would be a good one, definitely a good one if they could pull this one off. Yeah, we'll go ahead, Darnell. Yeah, I I think this is a big chance for. Uh, it's it's a big game to see where Clemson actually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, coming off the national championship, they're they're breaking in a new quarterback who looked really good Saturday. I want to point that out. He looked poised, made the right plays, look look good. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, this one's a top 15 matchup here. Uh, and this, this will say, are, did they, are, are they rebuilding? Are they reloaded? Like, are they, are they poised to at least get back to the playoff? Maybe put some more magic together. I, th- I think this is a big game to kind of see, uh, the trajectory of this team. Are they going to be kind of flat where they are for the rest of the year, down a little bit, or, is there room to, to grow still for this team? 
All right, guys. Um, anything else to add? Should should be a good one. Um, just real quick, I, I feel like this is definitely going to be one I'm going to keep a close eye on. Yeah. Uh, j- just because I feel like both of these teams, you know, whichever team picks up this win could make could make some noise for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you know, just uh, kind of like what I was just saying, you know, for um, Clemson, you know, they could still, this would be a game that they could show uh, that they still got it. And for Auburn, you know, this could be a chance for them to show that, hey, you know, we're coming back. We're looking to be uh, the kings of the SEC. So uh, this is this is an early game uh, that both guys can prove. Uh, definitely make a statement for sure. So um, up next we have USC versus Stanford. Um, Start on this game, guys. I'm really interested in seeing this one, uh, especially because of the awkward game that we were speaking of with USC and yeah. Western. Yeah. I, I want to see if this was a, a issue, a, a situation where USC was looking ahead to this week. That's why is that why Western gave them that much of a game, or are there questions to be had? Like, is USC's run D really that bad? Because Stanford is a team that's going to test that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they. They traditionally are a pound the rock type team, run the ball and play good defense. They're in that like NFL type of mold. So uh, I, I want to see how this goes, just to see uh, is is USC overhyped from last year uh, that big game that they had. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah. Darnell and I were talking while we were waiting on you, Trey. Uh, but this is kind of like the game that's flying way under the radar. Like, no one's talking about this game at all. Um, and I definitely think it's a game that's very winnable for Stanford. And we could see our first, uh, well, Florida State loss, but, you, you know, lost Alabama doesn't seem like a quote unquote upset, but, you know, we could see another top five team go down. Yeah. Uh, well, or did they just jump outside of the top five? Uh, six, 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 yeah. six. top six team go down. Uh, you know, USC wasn't exactly impressive. Uh, Sam Darnold was not impressive. Um, but I, I do think this is one that Stanford can sneak up on some people and, you know, take a W. Yeah. And last but not least, uh, we have Oklahoma versus Ohio State. Uh, start sign this one, guys. The matchup of the day, for sure. College game day's there. Uh, two teams that should, you know, basically be competing for a national championship. Uh, you know, we, we think Oklahoma will get left out, but, you know, with Florida State, uh, losing, I think that kind of opens lets up people, yeah, I think it opens the door big time for Oklahoma, especially if they can win. Uh, if they can beat Ohio State and return the favor from last year, uh, I, I think we may be looking at throwing, you know, Oklahoma into that fourth spot. Uh, you know, they looked impressive game one. They won huge. Um, you know, granted, Ohio State played an early first week game, so they got some extra time to prepare. You can almost bet they all watched Oklahoma play on Saturday. Uh, so, you know, I think the interesting matchup here is, you know, the two head coaches. Uh, you know, you're having the young, 
coach trying to prove himself in Oklahoma, replacing Bob Stoops, um, going up against Urban Meyer. So I think it's going to come down to some good coaching because I, I, I think the players on the field are going to speak a lot and we're going to see a lot of what we expect. We're going to see some big plays. Uh, I think we're going to see a very physical game. Uh, I just think who calls some smarter plays, uh, you know, maybe who utilizes a timeout at a better moment. You know, things like that. I think the small things are going to be what wins this game. Yeah, yeah. I think we got a nice old-fashioned shootout uh, coming with this one. Uh, both of them are going to be, you know, wanting to run back everything that happened last year. But I mean, it's just it's going to be a fun matchup. You got two two veteran quarterbacks that'll be uh, heading up both teams. Uh, some youth in spots on both teams as well. Uh, both breaking in freshman running backs, I believe, and uh, just fun all around. But you know, I I think the deciding factor is Oklahoma is also breaking in a rookie coach. Yeah. So yeah. so we'll we'll see how big a factor that plays because talent wise, I think they match up pretty well. But like like Ty said, this this is a big one for Oklahoma. If they can win this one, uh, especially since the uh, the Big Twelve lo- looks like it should be another one that the Sooners should be able to run through and and take it over outside of maybe having to deal with Oklahoma State. Yeah. So they they could earn their way into that uh, Final Four. All right, guys, uh, you ready for the pickums? Absolutely. All right, uh, for college football, my man Ty is six for six, while me and Darnell, we're at five for six. So Ty, you at first place for now, man, but that's gonna change. Uh huh. All right. <laughs> first game we got is Rice versus UTEP. Oh, I feel like I thrive on these. <laughs> weird picks. My boys from Tuskegee pulled it off last week. Yeah. Um, yeah, once again, not too concerned about this game in terms of, uh, flipping it on the TV, but, uh, I don't know. UTEP just got rocked by Oklahoma last week. Um, I think it's just because they were way outmatched. I don't think it has anything to do with how they're going to stack up to competition in their conference, but, uh, give me rice. Okay. Yeah, I'm going with Rice here since the only athlete I ever know to come out of UTEP is a basketball player, and that was Tim Hardaway. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with the team I've at least heard of winning football games. Yeah. I got UTEP hitting that two-step on Rice, so give me UTEP, man. Okay. <laughs> Up next, we have Georgia and Notre Dame. Yeah, Georgia just lost their quarterback, um, which can make this game very interesting now. Uh, I probably would have taken Georgia before, but uh, give me Notre Dame. I'm going to go with Georgia here because uh, I thought the backup came in and actually looked like more than serviceable. So, yeah, he did. He did. Uh, so, so I'm going to I'm going to go with uh, with with the troops rallying around the the new quarterback and. They they take down the Golden Domers. Yeah. I got Georgia as well, man. Uh just been disappointed with uh Dame 
uh, specifically last year. So uh, I just think they got a little bit, uh, they got a little bit to prove to me um, this year um, coming into the season. So I'm going to stick with Georgia. Uh, the, the QB did get hurt, but the backup looked pretty well. So I think Georgia's going to come in and get the W. Up next, we have Clemson and Auburn. Yeah. We kind of touched this game a little bit. I was impl- I was impressed with Clemson, so I'm going to stick with them. All right. Yep, I'm I'm rolling with Clemson on this one too. Uh, that they they were impressive to me, and and I hate Auburn. So, okay. <laughs> uh, you ain't giving us a War Eagle, man. No, not this time. <laughs> All right, I'm going with Clemson as well. All right, uh, up next we have USC versus Stanford. Did you pick the last one, Trey? Clemson? Yeah, Clemson. Yeah, I got Clemson. Okay. All right, yeah, just make sure. Uh, yeah, I don't think any of us were, re- were real impressed with USC last week, but it'll be interesting to see if, you know, it was just a case of playing down to your opponent. Um, I still think USC is a talented team, but a lot of people are talking about how physical Stanford is and how they'll, They'll play anyone as hard as anybody can in the country. So I'm actually going to take uh, Stanford on the upset. All right. Ooh. Uh, well, I'm 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 going to go with I, I do think uh, USC was looking ahead last week, and uh, I'm I'm going to say that was why they had a little bit of a letdown. So I'm, I'm going to stick with the Trojans and and Sammy Darnold. Yeah, I'm I'm picking USC well as well, but uh, I'm I'm nervous for this one, man. Uh, Stanford's one of those teams that can bring it, um, so this I would not be surprised at all if Stanford can end up pulling an upset on this one. So up next we have Oklahoma versus Ohio State. How you guys feel? Um, I'm gonna go Ohio State at home. I just think they're I well, once again, you know, I picked them for my uh, playoff, so I'm sticking with them. Yeah. Urban Myers, the you real know, deal. Team, so. Yeah, I'm I'm going Ohio State. Uh, it comes down to coaching, like I said for this one. Uh, I I know he's come up in the system, but this is his first year as a head coach. Urban Meyer is still Urban Meyer, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going with with the Buckeyes. I'm going with Ohio State as well, man. I'm I'm kind of nervous for Oklahoma on this one. I'm just looking at last year, Ohio State won 45 to 24 in Oklahoma. Um, they got a like I said, thank you guys said they got a new coach. Uh, so I think uh, Urban uh, he's gonna have his number on this one. So I, I do I think Ohio State's gonna pull this one off. All right, uh, now we're going into the NFL. Uh, first game we're about to get into is Minnesota versus New Orleans. Anyone else want to go first now? <laughs> oh, I was going to say, uh, give me New Orleans. Man. Give me I'll, pick, I'll pick NL. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going with the Saints as well. We all going Saints? Yeah. They just have more yeah, offense. Minnesota's still throwing out Sam Bradford, aren't they? Yeah. As far as I know, well, although Teddy will, ain't healthy yet, so I will, and and I'm you know we we mentioned a couple of hey, Minnesota running backs had that years. nice start last year, man. They started off pretty good, so they did. I mean, I'll I'll tell you, 
we talked about Kareem Hunt, Christian McCaffrey, and Leonard Fournette earlier. Don't leave out Dalvin Cook. True. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. Yeah. Up next, we have Baltimore and Cincy. I'm going to take Cincinnati. I'm gonna... Yeah, um, same here. Give me, give me the Red Rocket. The <laughs> Red Rocket. <laughs> I'm going to go with my boys on this, and I'm going to go with Baltimore. So we'll see. Yeah. All right, and both of y'all got Cincy, right? Yep. Okay. Up next, we have Oak, Oakland and Tennessee. I think this is the toughest one we're picking. Yeah, I, I'm picking Oakland. Picking Oakland? Yeah. Um, give me Tennessee. All right. Give me the Raiders. <laughs> Chris Berman. <laughs> All right. What would an NFL pick them be without them Detroit Lions? Up next, we got Arizona versus the D. Give me the Lions. <laughs> I'll pick them every week. <laughs> <laughs> so you're so you're trying to lose this. Oh, man. I'll be real. <laughs> I'm I'm actually gonna go with the Lions this week too. Ooh, I, okay. I, I just I got a feeling Arizona is still not gonna be good this year. I, I'm rolling with Arizona, man. I just I don't know, man. I. The Lions can be the Lions, man. Sometimes they're supposed to win. They'll pull off an L. So I just, I got to go with my gut with Zona on this one. Okay, up next we have Seattle versus Green Bay. Give me give me Seattle. Better defense. Seattle. Ooh, this is the one I'm torn on. I'm pairing Seattle. They're in, Green Bay. they're in Green Bay I'm going with. I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Going with the bad man. Yep. Alright. Yeah, and I'm picking, I don't know if you heard me, but yeah, I'm picking Seattle. Yeah. So, yeah. And we were going to pick the Patriots, uh, between the Patriots and KC, uh, but I added last minute, um, Cowboys versus Giants. We're going to give a shout out to Darnell Squad. Uh, so who y'all got? I think it boils down to whether OBJ plays or not. Uh, I mean, Dak Prescott hasn't played well against the Giants yet, so uh, uh, do I have to make like a definitive pick here, or can I give a scenario? <laughs> gotta be definitive. I was gonna say, I think it has to be definitive for something uh, we're keeping score on. All right. Yeah, I can show with that last minute. Giants, so the Giants can't run the ball. I don't know if they're going to be able to, if Dallas will be able to stop the pass. Jeez, give, give, give me Dallas. All right. Give me Dallas. Yeah, uh, the Giants had our number last year. Uh, I think that's, that's been, uh, sticking with the Cowboys all offseason and, and the Giants coach has been throwing some shade recently. So, uh, I think the Cowboys come a little fired up here and they take this down. Fuck the Cowboys. I got the Giants, baby. Let's go, Giants. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> yeah, so that, this is going to be interesting to see, man. Uh, you know, uh, I would not be surprised if the Cowboys win, um, but 
I got, I got to go against Darnell. So but gonna, you're a hater. Yeah. <laughs> All he is. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, anything left to add before we close this up? No, sir. All right. Uh, you got anything, Darnell? No, I'm just going to have to record a part of the Dave uh, Chappelle uh, hater skit and <laughs> play that every time you, yeah. you show your ways. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, I had to, man. All right, guys, as always, I appreciate y'all uh, for checking us out. Uh, you can check our podcast out on Stitcher, iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud. Just hit us up in that search engine. Also, check us out on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us at DKM underscore cast. Uh, but as always, we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Got some good games this week, so be looking forward to it. Peace.